To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. Welcome to the Death Panel. Patrons, thank you so much as always for supporting the show and our work. We couldn't do any of this without you. Don't forget to use code for a discount in the merch store. And if you want to help us out a little bit more, you can always share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, or follow us at deathpanel underscore. Today, we've got friend of the show, Abby Cardis, to talk about the draconian anti-abortion law in Texas that went into effect as of September 1st, called SB8. So this is a law which bans abortions after six weeks from the first day of the person's last period. And um, it's enforced by private actors who are encouraged to spy on their neighbors and sue people for any intent or possibility that they might aid or abet an abortion after the super early cutoff for a bounty of $10,000 minimum for each successful case, plus your lawyer's fee is covered by the defendants as well. So after listening to the oral arguments this week when the controversial ban uh, was up in front of the Supreme Court again, um, I decided that I really wanted us to talk about this, even though we had already covered it on the show, because I think this is both terrifying in its implications for care, and also it's going to be this crucial turning point in the sort of conservative weaponization of the court. And it raises really interesting questions about the point of government and the passage of arbitrary and capricious draconian laws. So I wanted us to sort of revisit this law and talk about what's going on on the ground now that it's been implemented for two months in Texas and what these sort of bigger questions are that are actually being discussed um, at the Supreme Court level about whether or not it's allowed to move forward or not. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, first of all, like abortion is just like healthcare, And I think it's (laughs) crazy that this like procedure, right, or like this collection of procedures that form part of the complement of like normal reproductive health care are regulated, (laughs) legislated, like argued over in this way. But Just to give some background, I'm sure like listeners are familiar with uh, Roe v. Wade. That was a Supreme Court decision that was decided, I think, in 1973, in keeping with just like sort of the addled fucking nonsense, like coming out of the Supreme Court since forever. Right. Like the like Roe v. Wade protect constitutionally protects like a person's right to get an abortion up to the point of what they call viability, like which is the viability (laughs) of the fetus to survive outside of like the uterine environment, the womb. That's about like 24 weeks. I think it's based on this. Like, I don't I don't even understand this. It's based on some kind of like right to privacy. It's like a penumbra of other rights that are named in the Constitution. Like, again, just like adult (laughs) bullshit. It's absurd. So that's that's Roe versus Wade. But then another applicable Supreme Court decision that I think fewer people know about is Planned Parenthood versus Casey. I think that was like nineteen ninety two. Yeah. And what Planned Parenthood versus Casey said, essentially what that decision said was that, um, you know, yes, it's unconstitutional to ban abortion prior to viability. Right. Twenty twenty two, twenty four weeks of gestation, whatever. But states can choose to regulate abortion 
right. pre-viability, right? Abortion access pre-viability, as long as such regulation doesn't place a quote unquote undue burden on the person seeking <laughs> Which, the abortion. And yeah. my favorite really, legal framework of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, like the, the landscape that we've been living in, I feel like for the past truly as long as I can remember is the landscape created by Casey, right? Like with states experimenting with different ways to ban abortion. Right. Right. And without trying to get banning abortion, to, right. Without right. banning abortion. So like Casey is how you get things like the trap laws, right? Like the targeted regulation of abortion providers. Um, it's how you get all of these gestational age gestational age regulations on abortion, which are absurd. I mean, we can get into why they're scientifically fucking meaningless uh, later on. But all of this stuff is like the the world of Casey. And I think there are lots of uh, important kind of like legal issues at play with SB8. But I think what is different about it is that SB8 is not directly challenging Roe versus Wade. In contrast, like this law that's coming up through Mississippi, I think arguments for that are going to be right the Dobbs case yeah December like that is an explicit challenge to Roe versus Wade and so I mean we can get into the details of you know this SB8 this Texas law but following the news coverage about the oral arguments a lot of news that I was reading was like oh these justices like they don't even the conservative ones like they don't (laughs) seem to like this SB8 and my fear is like okay well yeah like SB8 like the Texas, I don't know what I should call it. Like the Texas law <laughs> kind of threatens like federal power in a way that the justices don't like. And like you heard like Brett Kavanaugh was like, uh oh, like what if someone did this about guns? Like, right, what yeah. would we do then? <laughs> um, and my concern is that the Supreme Court is appearing maybe more reasonable than they are on this SB8. Like I think that they might not like allow it to go forward for these like esoteric legal reasons. But then this Mississippi case is going to come up and they're going to be like, oh yeah, well, abortion's illegal now. So congrats. Well, but I think like this is exactly the reason to to talk about this right now, because I think, you know, as, as, you know, B mentioned, we talked about SB8 on the show um, shortly after, not after it was passed, but shortly after like the Supreme Court in the first place did its little maneuver of saying like, well, you know, we won't, uh, we're, you know, we're not going to touch this, et cetera. We're just going to like let this go into Which they release at, like at midnight right. in the middle of the night. Uh, we're just going to like let this go into effect, um, et cetera. But I think having then seen, uh, as you're mentioning, Abby, these uh, oral arguments um, happen last week and the sort of uh, approach that they're taking to everything. And also, I think having seen this play out over the last couple of months, it's really troubling where you know, you mentioned Roe v. Wade. And I don't know if you think about kind of like one of the main Democratic Party things, right, is like, oh, we got to, you know, protect Roe v. Wade, right? Like, it's something that you've heard as a drumbeat over years and years. And it's just, it's almost farcical, because if you think about it, I mean, in in the first case, one, something like SB8 going into effect, as will, as will, you know, I think, explain at greater length in terms of how the law actually works, something like SB8, going into effect essentially shows that, you know, there is no constitutionally protected right to an abortion in the United States. Um, So essentially Roe v. Wade is like, you know, functionally not enforced or not, not relevant or whatever is, has functionally been overturned. So like, Mm -hmm. um, but then you don't see people like necessarily setting their fucking hair on fire over that. You see people saying like, Oh, um, well, as Democrats, we're going to run on this in 2022. We're going to like run on this in the fucking yeah. term. Fucking this is, what? Right. And, in and, a couple and, of years. And, and just one more, one more point on this. And it's just like, 
but the the problem then too is is beyond that as i think that we can talk about and i'm sure that you have a lot of thoughts about abby like in the first place even before sb8 i think it was almost laughable to say for all the reasons that you're you're mentioning but also more like that it, there was a constitutionally protected right to an abortion right. in the united right. states for again a number of reasons but among them like okay for example even independent of sb8 you know abortion is per the Hyde amendment uh not covered by medicaid except for in cases of like uh, life endangerment rape and incest and then even then some states don't abide by that uh and get like legal challenges uh about it in texas itself um texas is one of 11 states where um insurance companies are not allowed to cover abortion <laughs> like you cannot have your health insurance cannot legally fucking cover abortion in texas and that's even for people who have health insurance right yo so texas, it's like texas tried to pass a law that would have like made people who got abortions eligible for the death penalty just want right. to throw that out <laughs> yeah right no but so this is what i'm saying it's like this I think what's really the, you know, again, the part of the reason to talk about it is seeing these like the arguments that are going in kind of the sphere of like, it's interesting to contrast kind of the sphere of what the conversation is about SB8 and like whether it's, you know, for all these like whether whether this technicality, which has these huge ramifications, if they just like allow this to pass, but whether it's like little technicality, this loophole or whatever that they tried to exploit in constructing SB8, which we can explain like that the the conversation is just sort of about that uh like whether that loophole is fine to exploit and not like you know you don't you don't see we we have right now like the democratic party in the white house <laughs> controlling the house and controlling the senate and they're not like do it they're you know there's no big push no one's even as far as i can tell no one's even fucking asking them to think about like right. making ma- like enshrining the right to an abortion <laughs> in federal law. Notorious <laughs> RBG is going to fly down from heaven mm-hmm. where she's <laughs> chilling with like, I don't know, Tupac or whatever the fuck. Uda, like, Bob Marley, <laughs> Stalin, you know, capitalist Martin Luther King and uh, who else? Um, the the ghost of Lin-Manuel Miranda, even though he's alive. <laughs> the, the other. Yeah. No, but this it's is like this Dark is Vale like, from Twin Peaks. Like yes. Dark, <laughs> <Lin> <laughs> <Manuel>. Dark Lynn. <laughs> yes. But this is like the thing that I is like we all in a way the 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 making of all of this into like this judicial fantasy is like it's people, what it is. well it like it forces people to not actually observe uh in a full way what actually has been happening for the last 20 years on abortion and even like in the midst of this thing which is like yes guess what uh, Texas did like yeah you may call it like they found a loophole around Roe but like for all intents and purposes Roe is dead but because it's judicialized it like kills off all of the politics because it gives people who are like defenders the litigants whatever uh, the ability to say like no well like wait we have to like let's see like if this like goes through the like the process and like oh maybe uh, these justices like you know they're really like thinking based on these like legal principles and like the, you know they're thinking about these like potential ramifications of SB8 for a bunch of other things and like they might not let it go through but at the end of the day 
like Texas has already accomplished what it wanted to accomplish right yeah. now. Right. Like exactly. it has already effectively banned uh, abortions in the state. And by judicializing the conflict, it's also prevented people from like actually mobilizing in a clear way and like having a rallying point. Like that's the thing that's really fucked up about judicialization of like anything is a strategy it's just as like no like let's we'll just wait until the lawyers like sort it out and like oh maybe like gradually slowly like bit by bit uh like this right gets like chipped away at or the, you know this ability to like get a a an important healthcare service like gets chipped away at but like oh well maybe like the lawyers are like fight. it's this it's it's like the superheroization of politics and like the deferral of any idea that like so, uh, like a social movement or like I don't know mass politics might be necessary to come in at some point and defend something that it actually is popular with like a majority of the American public it's to me it's like I, I don't know what the Democrat strategy is probably just to like do as little as possible and raise as much money as possible for the next midterms which yeah. they're going to lose anyway but like <laughs> the uh, but but in, in reality what this does is it just bleeds off any idea that like large numbers of people can have any effect on anything yeah and I think the thing too is that you know Abby I think I really appreciate you bringing up Planned Parenthood versus Casey which again is 1992 because I think the other thing that's really obvious here that I haven't seen a lot of people discussing is how the undue burden framework is used over and over again as this sort of counter majoritarian check mm -hmm. on civil rights. Like if you think about how the undue burden provisions of the Americans with Disabilities Act exists as this way to limit what, um, you know, private companies in particular are actually obligated to do to meet, uh, you know, what is apparently the law of the land with accessibility. And it's interesting because right now there's also another case before the Supreme Court this term where CVS is trying to roll back what the meaning of undue burden actually is under the ADA, where they want to say that, like, as long as you're not intentionally discriminating against someone, if you mean well, you know, that that in and of itself is kind of this uh, protection qualification that you shouldn't actually necessarily be held liable for not meeting the ADA. And so you have, I think, the all of these like uh, examples now, especially with with Casey, too, about how this framework, which was so popular during the 90s, is this kind of like way of uh doing like compromise like oh we're going to give you rights and we're going to make sure that it doesn't like step on the toes of hegemonic society or hegemonic you know business control and power like how that framework um actually never really seems to work out in a equal or equi equitable way at the end of the day, right? It is like a framework that on face sounds like it's totally reasonable, but in practice, like always hits like marginalized people and populations that are supposed to be protected and not, you know, the yeah. people that are supposed to be held in check by these like frameworks. Yeah. Well, and even if it didn't disproportionately affect people, like, right. It's not a, right. Like it is, I'm gonna, I mean, I'll speak to like abortion here, but like it is, I think a fun, not just a civil right, but like a fundamental human right to be able to like make these decisions. Right. right. And like, we just don't care about that. And I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a function of like misogyny, right? Like about all sorts of like weird reproductive politics, like politics about the family. And like the Democrats have been okay with that for yes. 
as long as I can fucking remember. Right. Because so, like, they're I fine wanna... with turning rights into matters of policy. Like yes. a, a, if a right exists, it locks out anyone's ability to fuck with it. But for Democrats, it's just policy, which means like, well, it exists, but, uh, you know, well, you know, we've got to be able to manage and superintend it in these different ways. And, (laughs) you know, ultimately we have to, you know, we have different sets of principles that might govern that. And it just at some point. And also, by the way, it's something that where politics is eclipsed. You can't right. you're not defending your politics. You gotta let the experts and the lawyers uh-huh. and the policy analysts and are gonna work it out. Healthcare is a human right, so long as you buy it through the ACA. Yeah, right, exactly. it's a human right. Asterisk. <laughs> to hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalogue of patron-only episodes. And be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love, the death panel.